Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today we're going to talk about the Penn State Smeal College of Business. And I have a great guest today to talk about that, and that is Ryan Hess. Ryan is the inter Interim Director of Admissions at Penn State Smeal College of Business. He's a native from Pennsylvania, and he's going to talk today a little bit more about Smeal as well as just how MBA admissions are going this year. We are broadcasting this just at the end of February 2021. Obviously, it's been a, a challenging year for all of us. So Ryan's going to talk a little bit, not just about Smeal, but just about how things are going um, this year and what he's seeing as well. So first and foremost, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you, excited for you to talk a little bit more about Penn State. But before I jump into that, I just got to know, would love to know, what are you watching on Netflix or Hulu right now? Or what are you, what are you reading? How are you passing the time? Yeah, it's been crazy. I was never really a big you know, binger of, of shows or anything until this came around and you're stuck inside all the time. So I've been, I'm on my second time through community. I'm on my nice. second time through Brooklyn nine, nine. And then I really starting to get into Goldberg's. Okay. You know, a lot of those you know, sitcom shows are just, yeah. I can sit there and, and mindlessly go through and watch, and, but they're really entertaining and fun. They are. I have very fond memories of laughing hysterically at Andy Samberg growing up. And yeah. so Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a, it's a good one for sure. Uh, same with Community for that matter as well. Okay, great. I love those shows. I'm glad you've I'm glad you've found some humor and comedy in these challenging times. Maybe before we get uh, into Smeal, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are and, and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ryan Hess. I'm the Interim Director of Admissions at Smeal. First, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is something that I talked to uh, a few colleagues that have been on here and, and they had great things to say. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to, to chat with you a little bit. I started out as a, a normal engineering student going through undergrad in engineering. And as a normal engineering student does, I went and coached college football for five years after I graduated. And I really got into that, except I realized that getting paid about 15 grand a year, working about a hundred hours a week was not for me all the time. Got out of that. And I was trying to figure out my next steps in life and tried out consulting a little bit. And I started really missing working with students, being on a college campus and being a part of a, a campus community like that. And so half of coaching is recruiting, right? And so I got into college admissions and I fell into working at, after having a previous role, fell into a job at Arizona State's WP Carriers College of Business in their MBA recruiting office and loved it. Loved working with MBA. Uh, students. There are so many impressive people with amazing backgrounds that do so many awesome things. And I'm really excited to be able to continue doing that. The only reason I really left ASU is because Arizona is too hot for me and I can't deal with it. I'm from Pennsylvania, as you said. And so I, I wanted to go, get back closer to home 
And luckily for me, Smeal had an opening. I came in as a really a unique role where it was split between employer relations and admissions and started out doing that and met with a lot of alumni, worked with a lot of current students, and I kind of saw the full cycle of before you came in, while you were here, and then after graduation, working with grad alumni. And then wanted to get back more into an admissions type role. I was able to do that and then was lucky enough to, to have an opportunity to be the interim director here now where I'm at. And I'm really passionate about Penn State, passionate about Samuel. I think what we do is fantastic and our students are, are amazing. So I'm happy to share you know, anything about our program that I can. No, thank you for that background. And I think it's interesting in terms of what you said about just being around and being with students for the majority of, I would say the majority of your past, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years of your life. And I think that perspective, not only just from working at another MBA program, but also just being around other students is certainly something that you probably is really valuable, not to mention just the the own career transition you made yourself. And it, it strikes me too that a lot of MBA students or soon to be MBA students or prospective MBA students, some of their motivations for coming to business school are probably some of the same types of motivations you had for moving on from coaching football to moving into consulting to now moving into admissions. And so I just, that's something that just struck me as you were talking about your background. Yeah. It's really, I think the residential MBA is, is a, the, the full-time program is really a great opportunity for students to reset their career. I think that's what it's really designed for when compared to other types of MBAs that are out there, because there's so many resources and, and things available for those types of students. Absolutely. So as the interim director of admissions, you obviously work in admissions and you're focused on bringing in another great crop of students. But you, to your point, you've also worked across the life cycle mm -hmm. at Penn State, as well as you've seen it at some other schools. And so I would just love to know from you, particularly now coming back to Pennsylvania, what do you, you know, what makes Penn State and what makes Meal? I think the thing that stuck out to me more than anything else are our alumni. It is... It's crazy how passionate our alumni are and how willing and excited they are to give their time and give their uh, experience to help advance the current students and even help the incoming students. We have students who we've not even spoken to on the admission side yet who reach out to our alumni over LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm thinking about Penn State, would you mind having time to talk? And uh, I later on in the application process during an interview or something, they say, oh yeah, I've talked to uh, this person and I've talked to this other person. I've talked to these students. And I think that goes to show the passion that our alumni have for the programs that we do, the, the university as a whole. And I think that's one of the things that really sets us apart is the alumni want that want to give back and want to be a part of the, the community and want to help as best they can. And it's not always just giving money, but it's about giving time, helping advise. We have an alumni advisory group where they help mentor our current students in the program. So there's a lot of, of that. And then the small class sizes, people think of, of Penn State. My background on Zoom is usually the, the football stadium packed, right? And you think of Penn State and there's 300 people in a classroom. It's a huge university, everything like that. But at the Smeal College of Business, in our graduate programs, not just our MBA, but all of them, they're capped at 60. And so it's a, you get that, that one-on-one -on -one personal touch of a small, you know, private school, but you have the resources of one of the largest research institutions in the country. And so I feel like you get the best of both worlds going through that. And it's not, 
It's our, our business analytics program is capped at 60, our finance program, all of those things, but, and, and even our residential MBA capped at 60 students. Yeah. Actually, I would love for you to maybe talk about that a little bit more. I went to, as I went to UNC Keenan Flagler, so not 60 students in class, but smaller relative to some of our other peers. And I always appreciated the value of having that small, smaller community. It's all relative, obviously, because mm -hmm. 60 is certainly a lot less than 300. But could you maybe talk a little bit about just the impact and the value that a student can get from being in a program where you, you only have 59 other classmates? Yeah, the, you get to know everybody in your class, but you also get to know everybody in the class ahead of you, the class after you. And I think that allows you to create uh, really tight-knit relationships, but it also allows for a little bit more collaboration because you know everybody, so you're a little bit more empathetic towards where they're doing or where they're going. But I, the collaboration in our classroom is amazing because I've seen students applying for the same internship or the same full-time job that are working with each other to help prep for that interview. I have seen our students do everything as a, a family almost coming through here because when this all happened, I think our current first years had that chance to meld as a group and they worked with each other to get through this process or to get through that whole transition of all of a sudden stopping all in-person courses and going remote. And I think to have, even though some of our students were living alone, to have that foundation of support what meant a lot to everybody. And I think it's, you can get, certainly get that at larger institutions, but I just think ours are a lot closer because you know everyone. There's, there's nobody who, who can be left out. It's impossible to do that. Yeah. I think those are great points. And I would, uh, two, you know, just follow-ups to, I think the first thing is, and I've talked to a lot of current students and prospective students about this notion, but obviously 2020 and 2021 have been challenging years, but number one, in a challenging time, what better place to be than a community like a business school, whether that's Smeal or anywhere else. First mm -hmm. off, like I think that is definitely something that is really critical, really valuable to, to have in a time where a lot of us are challenged because we can't necessarily take part in the same types of communities that we had before, oh, just in the world in general. So first thing, and just in terms of having a community like a Smeal or anywhere else in a time like this. To the second point that you made, uh, a small community, I think one of the really big values there is that I've always said like, one of the real life lessons you learn after you graduate from college is that building relationships is actually pretty hard. It, 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 I went to a I went to a college where I, my freshman year, I made friends the first week, and I was friends with a lot of them for the. I still am friends to a lot of them this day, and I had other friends. It was very easy to make friends when you actually leave and go to the quote unquote real world. Building relationships is actually takes a lot of work, and going back to school, going back to an MBA program is a great way to to facilitate some of that because you have no choice, right? You're stuck with classmates, generally speaking, 12 to 14 hours a day. <laughs> but in a program like yours is a little bit smaller. I think uh, you're just designed for more collisions and more opportunities to really foster and build those relationships built in. You know, that's not to say they can't happen at bigger schools, but to mm -hmm. the point you made, you you will know everyone's name relatively quickly and you will have of probably multiple chances 
to build relationships with them over the course of that t- the, those two years. And it's it's hard, not hard. It can be challenging sometimes to quantify that to a prospective applicant. But again, also just drawing on my own experience, and I'm sure you have as well, because you, you've moved and lived in multiple places since you graduated. Building relationships with people outside is not, it's not an easy walk in the park. And the other thing too is, is you think of faculty, right? So many programs are in mods or, or quarters or whatever you call them, and they get seven weeks with students. And so it's hard to create a relationship with somebody in seven weeks, especially a faculty member who has 60 people in a classroom or 100 people or 300, whatever it might be. And so when you're in a smaller program, you have that more opportunity, more face time, more chances to really cultivate great relationships with faculty. And I I don't like to harp on a lot of rankings or anything like that, but I think we were just ranked, we've consistently been ranked one of the top. Uh, faculty in the having some of the top faculty in the world. Right? I think we were just ranked fourth by one of the rankings that was out there. And so to be able to have that opportunity to be in a classroom with those people in such an intimate environment, I think really provides a lot of value to our students too. Certainly. I know you've talked a little bit and you've given some good examples of just what's unique about Smeal, but I would just maybe love for you to talk because I know you you are such a Penn State guy. Could you maybe talk a little about of your own personal experiment experiences in terms of either stories you have that really embody the Smeal community or just anything like that, just to speak from your own perspective? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that's really neat in in how what I've experienced so far is just the relationship with faculty and students coming off of what I just said before. So many of our students on a first name basis with faculty, and that's not something I got to experience during my undergrad or MBA. We have a a year-long communication course in the first year of the program, which I think is one of the best programs that we offer out there. But the faculty, they're Andy and Nancy. I have to go and look up what their last names are because I don't know because our students always call them by that. It's not... Dr. I think Gustafson is one of them. It's not Dr. Gustafson. It's it's Andy. And so they have, I think that type of relationship is just really unique and they get to be on a first name basis, which is something that that power dynamic is so different coming from an undergraduate world where you don't really expect that. You don't really get to have that. And then the other thing, the story that I have that really encapsulates the Smeal culture or the Smeal or, or even the alumni passion for the program I think we had a student who was one of our first students recently to go to J.P. Morgan. He ended up getting an internship with them, was about three years ago, and came back, got a full-time offer, and was working directly with those recruiters to help get more of his classmates into J.P. Morgan. And I think his class, we ended up sending three students, him and two others, there. And since then, he has been a, a staunch advocate for Smeal and wanting to come back to help prep students to go work for his the company he works for because he values he values JP Morgan he really loves his job there but he also understands what our students go through here and, and the value they get out of doing our program and wants more Smeal and more Penn Staters in there mainly because I think there's some Ohio State people in his office so he wants to start to try to outnumber them but yeah yeah he needs some support <laughs> yes uh, he does yeah he, I think he's in the Columbus office, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him. But but also he's he's passionate about our programs and our community and wanting to come back and be a part of that and help students make that transition. That's great. And that's that's when as a admissions 
director, you did your job because they not only get, they not only do well, but then they act as a force multiplier. Yeah. Uh, and that, that brings even more goodness to you. Yeah. That's the hardest part, honestly. It was once when I first got into MBA admissions, one of the things I was first told is admissions is an art, not a science. And it's trying to find those types of individuals. A, a GMAT score is not going to tell you that. A GPA is not going to tell you that. Number of years of work experience isn't going to tell you that. And so it's so much more difficult than just being able to read those numbers and know that you're going to get in and be great. Yeah, that I've definitely heard that before. And I, I guess that's a really good segue. I would love to maybe have you talk a little bit more about, and you just teed it up really nicely. Uh, what, do, what do you, what does Smeal look for in its, in its MBA applicants? <laughs> I didn't even mean to, but great. Awesome. Yeah. I, the way I try to explain this, and it's the same way I explain it to incoming applicants, I think there's really three pillars that hold up uh, a candidate above all else. And it's, it's academics, it's career, and it, it's fit. And so many students come to me and say, what GMAT score do I need to get in? And I'm like, let's talk about these three pillars. The, the GMAT score is one part of one pillar. It's, it, we look at that, or your GRE, or, or if you're applying for a waiver, we look at all of those things. We look at your undergrad GPA, we work, look at your work experience. What have they done in work that can help show that they can handle the the rigor of the program. And then we look at career. Do your career goals fit what our students can or what our graduates do? If you're coming into our program and you're saying, I want to go work for Goldman, I can't tell you the last time we sent anybody to, to go work for Goldman or BlackRock. That's going to be pretty much a non-starter unless you have some personal connections that you're able to leverage. We're probably not the best fit for you and or a career fit for you. And then there's fit and I like to describe Penn Staters as the they're blue collar workers who want to have a white collar job. So there's somebody who they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves, dig in and do a job that is quote unquote, maybe beneath them, but in order to benefit the community or to benefit the, the company they work for or whatever it might be, they're there to get the job done, whatever that what by whatever means necessary. And I think those are the three things that we're trying to figure out. And two of those things, I'm not going to know by looking at just reading like your profile with what a lot of students like to share with us. And so it's really a, a tough process for us. And we try to do many things that we can. So we have, we have a video, inter, like a, a video essay that we use Kira Talent for that. And that's a great aspect of it because not everybody on our committee gets to interview you. And so maybe one person on the committee gets to interview you. Well, there's more than that on, on the committee making the decision. So they also get to see you make your 2D application become a, a 3D person and through some of these video essay responses. And then you have, we have an essay and it's basically, what are your career goals and what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and we're trying to make sure that all we can help fit all of these types of things. And then some of the questions that we ask in the interviews are not just about career or academics, but also tell me about a time that you used your network to help somebody else achieve something. Things like that, where we want you to be a good patron of the community here. That's great. And thank you for walking us through that. And what I particularly like, particularly with some of the things you just said there at the end is that 
I think when you interview or when you do interviews or when you evaluate things right, like you're trying to screen for behaviors that you hope to see in, in the people that you bring in. And that's true for any type of interview. And I think to the point you just made, number one, looking at those three pillars, but then number two, also to what you just said about like you want to you, you do want people who are going to help other people. And so mm-hmm. one of the best ways to figure out if you're going to be able to bring someone in who does that is to ask them how they do that and to objective to try to measure the the behaviors that they might be able to bring or, or if they're able to bring those behaviors to your community. Yeah, and that's what we try to continue that culture of collaboration. I think a lot of people when they imagine an MBA student, they imagine that super competitive, they're they're a finance undergrad wanting to go do finance on Wall Street type of person, right? In the suit and tie every day to class. And that's not who we are. I think a lot of programs aren't like that anymore either. But I, that's definitely not who we are in, in our culture and community here. Sure. So you talked a little bit about how you also evaluate kind of career aspirations, career goals. And I also know that you, as you mentioned, you've worked on the employer side before as well. So could you talk a little bit just about in terms of career outcomes for Smeal? Took a look at your employer report. I definitely saw, I known a little bit about the supply chain program and also saw you a little bit strong in tech and consulting, but can you just give us like a little bit of an overview just in terms of what career outcomes look like? Yeah, absolutely. That's probably the number one thing people come to Smeal for is supply chain. We're consistently ranked in the top five in every ranking or top, we're ranked back to back years in Gardner, number one. And, you know, I think there's uh, a lot of value there. We've sent students all over to, you name the company and there we have uh, supply chain alumni there. Right. Our top four hiring firms over the past four years, and this isn't including the most recent one because I haven't had a chance to evaluate and add that one in, but the four years previous to that were Dell, Deloitte, Amazon, and Apple. Companies that a lot of students, the name of them, you know, they do a lot of MBA hiring across the country, but we have an amazing alumni network. And, and But we also have long, long-term relationships with companies like Chevron and ExxonMobil. We have uh, a lot of alumni at Nike. We're starting to grow our alumni base at consulting firm AT Kearney. And so we're all over the place. The, the, the hard part about looking at the, the employment reports that we have is with a small class, numbers can change dramatically one way or another, just because I have four people go one direction instead of another, because you have each person is essentially give or take 2% of the class. And so they can have a, a much greater impact in one year. It looks like we have a ton of consultants and the next year we don't have as many in percentages. But if you look at the raw numbers, it could be a change of four different people or three people in that. And so it doesn't say, it's not, when you look at the raw numbers, it's not as, as large of a, uh, a change. Consulting has been consistently one of our top places where we have a concentration in management consulting. And then, but supply chain is, has definitely been number one over the past few years. And then when you look at finance and marketing, our finance focuses mostly on, on corporate finance. Our, or our top firms for finance. I mentioned J.P. Morgan earlier, but we've also sent students to USAA and then Pfizer, Nike, Microsoft has been pretty strong recently. Companies like that where we're focused on the corporate side of it, not so much the investment banking or wealth management side of things. And then within within marketing, our biggest go-to for marketing is B2B marketing. We have the Institute for the Study of Real Institute, ISBM, the Institute for the Study of Business Markets. And it's the largest B2B research institution in the country. And it's not just, it's housed at SMEAL and it's not just 
SMEAL faculty in that research institution, but there's faculty from MIT and from Stern and from all over the country that are part of that research institution doing B2B market research. And so we have students that are coming in and they're able to actually to be, they have MBA fellows that work as part of that research institution as well and get some great company FaceTime working on projects for companies through that research institution as well. That That's great. And I think the thing that stri strikes me about it is that I think when you're, again, going back to the size component, when you are going to a school like of the size, I think that from a career perspective, career journey perspective, the resources and support that I think you can get along the way of figuring out where you want to go for internship or full-time recruiting, I think is just a little bit more personalized and yeah. And to the point that you made when you have that, but within the context of also having the broader Penn State alumni community, you reap the benefits of having the personalized support with the scale of a very uh, robust you know, mm -hmm. alumni base. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a great combination. Yeah, and honestly, the other thing that I think makes us stand out on the career side, and I don't know of another university or, or MBA programs doing this, but you once you deposit, you can start working with our career coaches as early as April yeah. or May. Yeah. And because our process on campus, the recruitment process on campus starts so quick and so early that we leverage that entire summer. We actually have a, essentially a course that's set up that's free and included in part of the program that helps you prepare over the summer to meet with uh, career coaches and have your resume reviewed. So hopefully it's done by the time you get here, have your meet with your alumni advisory board mentor, meet with second year students and start that process early instead of waiting until you get here and you're going through orientation and trying to just take classes. And it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. You're trying to make sure you're just keeping your head above water there, but hopefully we can get all this stuff done over the summer and have that all set apart for you. That's great. And no, I, I love that, that the students can start engaging right away. Sometimes I, I always tell people to take advantage of that if they can. Sometimes mm -hmm. it, some people are working up to the last minute, so it certainly is understandable. But when people always ask me, how do I prepare for business school? I always encourage them. I say, look, if your school gives you the resources, take advantage of them. You will need every minute. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But I think the fact that you offer that, I think is only beneficial to incoming students in the long run. So I think that's I think that's really great. One topic I did want to talk about before we close up here, obviously, as we mentioned, uh, it's been a challenging year. It's about February of 2021. Just would love to know, you know how, what are you seeing right now in terms of applications and just how is the admissions, <clears throat> how is the application season going and what do you expect ahead moving forward? Yeah, I mean, the, the hard part for us is that we are capped at 60. You know, the classrooms that we use only fit 60 students, so I couldn't add more people if I wanted to. This year's applications are up over last year, so it's definitely been a, a more competitive year. You combine that, and sure, it's no secret out there that we had more defers from last year to this year. We've always had allowed students to defer up to one year, and so it wasn't a new process that we put in place here, but, it's, but it, I think it was just more than normal. And for us, if you go from three or four to now eight or nine, just looking at numbers, that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you look at percentage of the class, it's definitely a, a big increase for us. But we've had some amazing candidates apply to our programs. I think the thing that's been coming up a, a lot has been trying to stay as diverse of a program as possible. That's very important for us. And it's not it's not just diversity when people think about it. it's not just race or gender or what country are you from. But for us, we try to look at diversity in terms of diversity of thought. What was your undergraduate degree? I don't want I don't want 60 engineers in my MBA program. 
they're all going to think like me. And then we're just going to be trying to figure things out analytically the entire time. We try to bring in people with different backgrounds, different work experience, different undergraduate degrees. We don't want all Penn State undergrads. We want people from other institutions across the country and across the world. And that provide, if it, the way I try to look at it is if we can provide, have each person come in with a new, unique aspect of their life and their career and their goals that's different from everybody else in the class, everybody in the classroom is going to learn so much from each other. And I think that's half of what you learn in the program is being able to, to work with people from different backgrounds and, and different experiences and see how they problem solve or how they attack a problem. If you're a finance major and you go into a, a case, you're going to be looking probably a little bit more at the financials than somebody say who was an engineer or who was a middle school math teacher or a, a costume designer for a television network or something. And those are all backgrounds of people that we bring into the program. That's great. Thank you for that. Ryan, um, thanks so much for being here today, for talking about Smeal and the, the what makes the program unique and just what you're seeing so far in terms of MBA applications. If people want to learn more about Smeal or uh, about the program, where can they go? Where should they Where should they find you? Yeah, you can go right. It's mba.smeal.psu.edu. And come right to our website, request some information. The first email you'll get from us is, hey, let's schedule time to talk. Because of our program being so small, we want to have a conversation with people as early as possible. And we give you a link to schedule 30 minutes on our calendar that works for you. And we'd love to have a chance to, to chat with you about your goals and your aspirations for our after graduation to see if we have a program that's the right fit for you. Great. Ryan, thank you so much for being here today and for, for joining me and for talking about the Penn State Smeal College of Business. Absolutely, Al. I appreciate the time. Thanks, man. Hi, everyone. Al D. here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.